Hello, and welcome to Wellness Wednesday with 3W. Wellness Wednesday is sponsored by 3W Medical for Women, a nonprofit medical clinic offering free of charge or low-cost reproductive health services to women in the Seattle area, regardless of income or insurance status. 3W does not profit off the reproductive health choices women make. The information shared in this podcast is the opinion of the speaker or speakers. Medical information is not intended as individual medical consultation, but for general education only. Always consult your own health professional for personalized advice regarding medical decisions. And if you're in the Seattle area, consider making an appointment to consult with us. I'm Lauren Whitting, Office Manager of 3W Medical for Women and the host of today's podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Wellness Wednesday with 3W. It is your host, Lauren, today. I haven't hosted in a while. Hey, y'all. Hey. <laughs> I have my friends Alejandra and Teresa here, my coworkers, but my friends first. And Aww. we are going to do a part two of Helen and I's conversation of sexual health, reproductive health myths or true mm. or false. Mm-hmm. We're yes. going to quiz these ladies and see <laughs> what they know. Yeah. Just a disclaimer, I am not a medical professional, but I am a femme instructor and I'm around, I was office manager, I'm around these doctors all day long that we work with. Yes. So I've picked up a few things here and there. And also <laughs> the internet has given me some ideas of what we're going to quiz you on. And we'll link where I got all my sources below. Cool. But we have two people here who are not in the patient care aspect of our clinic. They mm-hmm. are on the fundraising, marketing side of things. So you are a little bit less <laughs> of an expert. Less knowledgeable, for yeah. sure. I wasn't going to say less knowledgeable. But just less experience. And so we're going to see what they know as people who work in a women's clinic, a women's clinic, but may not know these nitty gritty things. Mm -hmm. Yes. Any thoughts or questions before we start? Uh, It feels a little intimidating because I don't know what kind of questions (laughs) could come. But, you know, I think these might be a lot of common questions that women that are listening, you know, some of our listeners might be asking themselves and we just get to be the... uh, how do you we're, say it? The, we're the, guinea pigs. The yeah. guinea pigs. We're like the average consumer. <laughs> exactly. Probably. Exactly. Awesome. And just for the guests out there, they don't know what questions I'm asking them. Right. And they're it's a surprise. No, it's a surprise. So I, I gathered these questions and we are going to quiz these peeps. Okay. okay. The first question I have for you. Hmm, not question. Statement. <laughs> True or false statement. I don't know where we're going to start. Okay. Let's start easy. We're gonna we're gonna jump into that just like great. women's True. health and as much sexual things. We'll get into that in a second. Uh, <laughs> after someone stops birth control, maybe stops the pill, gets their IUD out, they ovulate right away. True or false? False. False. Probably. Okay, well, that was kind of a hard one to start on because it's true and it's false. What? Yes. Oh. So, so, so yes, people can miss one day of their pills and they can hormones can rise enough and they can ovulate. Oh, wow, wow, that can happen to some people. That's I have a friend crazy. who was not taking birth. Two friends actually who's not taking birth control effectively got pregnant. Oh. Okay, that can totally happen. Or, on the other hand, you can get off the pill and need months for your body to ovulate again. Interesting. Wow. So, so it varies. So it really it depends varies. on the person. Depends on the person. Sometimes depends on how long you've been on the pill. IUD. In theory, you still ovulate on the IUD, um, mm-hmm. both copper and marina. Your body, it impacts sperm getting into the uterus past the cervix. And it also 
impacts implantation of of eggs mm-hmm. if they do get fertilized. Mm-hmm. So in that one, people say, well, they ovulate really quick. Who knows? Sometimes mm-hmm. things can get impacted. The next planon also stops ovulation. That's the one in the arm. Oh, so when you get okay. that out, you're not getting the hormones anymore, but sometimes your body needs some time to ovulate again. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of a trick question, and it's kind of a case-by-case case thing. So what people say usually is if someone's trying to conceive or wanting to have a baby and they're on birth control, they like to give people three months for their body to get their period Mm, back. But sometimes you get your, I mean, my friend got off birth control and got her period normally and ovulated within a month, you know? And so it just depends. Interesting. I really really took you guys for a spin on that. Yeah, I know. They said I was going to be sure of that one, actually. I I was like, wait, that shows the importance of like if you are on birth control like you have to be really on it and like very consistent because you never know yeah especially the progesterone only pill so um, a lot of the birth control pills are estrogen and progesterone so they're both that progesterone only pill you it's what they call it the mini pill because it's less hormones they you have to take it literally at the same time every day because if your body does not get the synthetic feedback of progesterone it can think oh estrogen's gonna rise and i'm gonna ovulate an egg so it's very important to be accurate because you really don't know and that's a big thing about birth control is if you miss one day you really don't know what's going on with your fertility compared to something like when you track your fertility if you miss one day of tracking Mm. you usually can jump in and be like okay well i think yesterday was i was infertile or i was fertile based on my signals but with birth control if you do have the issue of you know human error as Mm -hmm. we do Mm -hmm. that can cause unplanned ovulation unplanned pregnancies iud's and nexplon have less of that human error aspect to things interesting so yeah wow so you have to be very conscious of all aspects of your body and not just depend solely on the birth control yeah to ensure that your cycle well yeah yeah Yeah. well and remember when you're on birth control you don't have a true cycle that was the last podcast yeah that was really interesting that you talked about so and i got helen on that one yeah. So let's mm. see, Alejandro, you might not listen to the podcast. Teresa edited it. So that's why <laughs> when someone's on birth control, so hormonal birth control, not right. just IUD or Nexplanon, I guess could be in that hormonal. Let's say the pill. Do they get a true period? No. Good job. I think I remember hearing that part. <laughs> <laughs> no, but when you explained it, I was it's true because it's it's pretending Right. Yeah. Well, it, it, with your or at least your body's your body is is not bleeding because it's not getting a hormone that it gets every three weeks, every the other three weeks of the month. And you're taking away that synthetic hormone and then you're shedding the lining. The small lining you built up bleeds when you have a normal menstrual cycle and you're not on any hormonal birth control. Estrogen rises and progesterone rises as you ovulate and then the corpus luteum takes over, rises progesterone, all the things with that. That causes the uterine lining to build up in preparation for an egg to implant. And then when it doesn't receive that implantation, it sheds in menstruation. So when ovulation isn't happening, it's not really a true period or menstruation because the uterine lining is not getting built up by estrogen Mm. and progesterone. It's just staying thin because if you did ovulate, it also is preventing implantation. It, it, that's the idea. It's mm-hmm. like, let's say you missed a day and you ovulated, but the uterine lining is not good enough for implantation to happen, then pregnancy can occur. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. That, so is it just shedding the little that is there? It is. Yeah, because it usually gets the hormones the other three weeks. And so it's not getting that. And it's like, oh, well, 
we're going to shed. And they only did that when they created the pill to let women know, oh, you didn't get pregnant this cycle because they don't get. And then sometimes people don't take that week and then they still don't bleed. It just it it really just depends on the body. Some people with an IUD bleed every month. Some people don't at all. So it really just depends on on the body and the person. Interesting. Yeah. Dang. Wow. That was a good one to start. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. My next one. Intense PMS or just PMS in general. And remember, PMS stands for premenstrual syndrome. Mm -hmm. So that can be cramps, bloating, emotional up and down. Oh, headaches, headaches, acne, all the things Mm -hmm. is normal and expected for women. Mm -hmm. I think it can vary. I think every woman is, uh, as we know, different. So PMS in different forms can probably happen, right? So I guess it's a soft true. Okay, I'm going to say soft true too because I feel like it's very common. Mm -hmm. But I don't know if like maybe we're just like not taking care of ourselves enough. Because I have a friend who like she gets her period and she's just like, oh, it's here. Mm -hmm. And it's just... All of a sudden, you know, like she didn't experience cramps. She didn't experience, but she's also an avid runner. So (laughs) that could be a piece of it Mm -hmm. where it's like she's working out so frequently that her body's just conditioned to not really feel the PMS symptoms or PMS is not normal. We are not supposed to have PMS. (laughs) Oh, my God. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Let me elaborate. PMS, if you categorize it as really intense symptoms, is not normal. A little maybe feeling different. Feeling different is not what I'm saying. We are supposed to and expected to feel different throughout the cycle because hormones and different hormones are at play. Mm -hmm. Hormones are rising. Hormones are dropping. Things are happening. If you are experiencing intense Mm. mood swings, cramps before your period, and we'll talk about cramps in a second for when you're on your period, cramps, bloating. Yes, some of these things can be due to the drop in estrogen and progesterone right before you get your period. Mm -hmm. But our culture is kind of normalized to PMS. Mm -hmm. And really, it can be your body communicating that something is wrong. So I don't experience PMS. And Breast tenderness is not PMS. Breast tenderness can be because of the rise of progesterone. Breast tenderness can be increased with PMS. But having a few symptoms before your period is not necessarily PMS. PMS is when it's real intense. It's a syndrome, right? So I think, and this is what I've learned with femme, if people are having really like level eight, nine, ten, can't get out of bed, thinking about it during the day, issues before as they're approaching their period that is something that your body might be saying hey things are not perfect Mm -hmm. and it and yes it could be something that someone can't get rid of endometriosis pcos are things that people deal with but knowing the root cause of it is always good we can adjust our lifestyles and get things answered and just you know support our body with certain lifestyle changes with certain medications whatever Mm -hmm. is needed Mm -hmm. so no pms is not necessarily normal yeah wow i didn't realize pms is not just some like oh i feel like sad on yeah like yeah but it's like i think it is yeah we use it in our in our our jargon of like oh it's i'm pmsing and like yes you're going to feel different because your progesterone was just really high. Your estrogen was just really high. And then everything's dropping. Mm. Like, yeah, you're going to feel a little different. You might be a little emotional. But if you are experiencing these intense symptoms, whoa, then it's not That's normal. so interesting. That's making me think I need to go in for a well woman exam because my last one 
like I had terrible headache yeah. before and like terrible symptoms. I'm like, that doesn't normally happen. Yeah. Wow. Oh, your last like, period. Yeah. 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 So. Oh. oh yeah. Yeah. That was. <laughs> okay. Let's talk about cramps real yeah. quick as we're expanding on this. Cramps on while you're the first or second day of your period can be normal because what's happening is your uterus is actually contracting to get the blood to start flowing. So some cramps are not like saying, oh, you're so unhealthy. Intense cramps where you have to be on medication for multiple days, can't get out of bed, pass out, things mm. like that. Mm. That is when we would be concerned. But a big thing with women's health and fertility tracking for FEM when I teach FEM we want to see a pattern. So if I see it once, it could have been a lifestyle thing. It could have been, let's say you always work out and someone you didn't work out and then you have these intense feelings or you have, you don't ovulate like TMI last month. I did not ovulate, but I also had COVID. Um, oh. <laughs> and, and I, I didn't, I might've ovulated, but I don't think I did. I had a really whack cycle. Whoa. So, so that, if I did that three more cycles in a row, I would be like, well, I probably should go check things out. But if mm. it was, if I know there was an external circumstance that changed my cycle mm. that month, right. I'm going to take that as an external circumstance. Mm. When I see a pattern start to form as a femme teacher, I refer them to medical management, to a doctor, because there is something else potentially going on. Mm. Right. So mm -hmm. that is, oh, but expanding on period cramps, you do have contractions of the uterus to get the blood flowing. But if you're having them a lot before, a lot after, that can be not normal what doctors a lot of times say is you should not be disrupted too much with periods right mm. like yes we should know what's going on we might feel down feeling again i'm going to say this again feeling different is not wrong wrong because yeah. we're having different things throughout the month i wish i could have a visual mm -hmm. this is an audio only but <laughs> i have this chart of all the hormones rising and falling throughout the month you're gonna feel different you're expected to feel different and mm -hmm. you can you can adjust your lifestyle during different cycle times of your cycle to match what you're feeling. Your luteal phase, after you ovulate, you're going to feel a lot more tired. Mm -hmm. I'm going to feel a lot more energized during my ovulatory window. So when I'm working out and I'm feeling, oh, my gosh, I like cannot wake up. I'm like, can't lift this weight. Oh, I'm in my luteal phase. That makes sense, right? Yeah. I'm not saying we're supposed to feel the same. same. Right. So don't get freaked out about your things. But if you're having these really intense symptoms, just talk to someone. And and again, I'm not I'm not prescribing anything for someone or prescribing what you should do but i think getting more education about yourself tracking your yeah. cycle talking to a femme teacher or someone who does tracking is really impactful and then going to a doctor if you have concerns is always helpful and i think a big thing i say is like you don't want to be controlled by your body you want to be in control of your body right. mm -hmm. being controlled by your body is like i let the symptoms come and then i react being in control yeah. i think okay i might feel these ways i'm going to take I know this is happening. I know why. Or maybe I don't know why yet, but I'm at least going to be expecting it and not just be like, oh, it's happening. Because I think we can go through life a lot easier when we think, okay, I'm in control of this and I know what's happening. and I'm mm -hmm. not just going to let something fly in and then be affected by it. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That makes sense. Any questions about like, all these things? Your body is a system. Like you put something in and you get something out of it. Yes, yeah. definitely. Um, I think uh, easing, easing people's minds on when we feel things and the change most of all you yeah. know how we you know it can be so foreign sometimes you're like well what are these feelings but it's it's true what you said it we're not consistent in the sense of staying the same yes right all the time it's yeah well in the changing. cycle you're gonna feel different because and and i think looking into how those things doing research yourself about 
there's people who do something called cycle syncing and they eat different foods around different parts of their cycle. It's mm. really, I really I want to get some on the podcast to talk about it because I'm not an expert on it. I just have like looked into it and you eat different nutrients around and micronutrients around times of your cycle because That's you're really adjusting and working with your cycle, not against it. Mm. Yeah. I mean, you are going to feel different. And as women, our body is made that way, but we also have to be listen to our body. And I think some people are kind of blindly like, oh, that just happens to me. And it's like, well, let's think a little deeper. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. So, I love that. Great. Okay. Let's go into something else. Sperm can live for a short time after they are released. A short time. Short time. I'm just going to say short time. Short time. Okay. <laughs> isn't it like a three days? I no, 24 like, hours. No, I think it's like three to five days oh. that it can live after <laughs> maybe i don't know i'm gonna Is say it, that's true okay what about wait you short time i want to say not a sh okay, no I didn't false make that, that's, that's a very um <laughs> vague. vague question but you can define short and then we'll expand on it okay well i feel like people's conception of my my conception of short would be like oh it's just a couple hours but i think it's longer than that yeah so false false yes. alejandra i think Wait, what was the question? <laughs> the question, the statement is the statement. sperm could only live for a short time after it's released. Okay, I'm going to say false too. Okay. You're kind of true, kind of false. I mean, you're you're right. You're right. Okay. After ejaculation, a male sperm can live minutes to hours if they're in their infertile time or they never reach any oh. woman, you know. Okay, I mean, that makes sense. So... In infertile times, the cervical mucus that a woman produces kills the sperm off as well as our pH is more acidic and it kills the sperm, mm. traps it. At a microscopic level, progesterone dominant mucus is these little balls and the sperm swim into them and get trapped in them and then get killed. Very cool. <laughs> I Very like, visual. I yeah, I think it's really awesome. <laughs> so yes, sperm can live in its hours. When you are fertile, three to five days. Five days being the most. Okay. So you guys uh, were right. Okay. But it's knowing when you cannot, except with ultrasound, predict exactly when you ovulate. Some people go like, I mm. felt it. I believe them. I mean, maybe you had like ovulation pain. That's a thing. But unless you're hooked up to an ultrasound machine, you can see when the egg is released. So you can take your symptoms and take LH testing or basal body temperature and all these amazing things to indicate your ovulation. But you cannot pinpoint it to the day right mm. so there's a window when you're fertile and so you don't know every month when you can be fertile so you have to look at your symptoms usually cervical mucus and it can be more stretchy slippery egg white type mucus and in that type of mucus is when the sperm can last and it actually mm. acts as a transporter for the sperm to enter through our cervix into our uterus and into the fallopian tubes oh wow mm. so it, just it's like a slip and slide it is yeah it, actually <laughs> i say in my class in my femme class during our infertile times, our cervix, the mucus acts as a plug. And in our fertile times, it acts as a slide for the sperm. So it mm. sl the sperm, and when you look under semen, so remember semen and sperm are different. Do you guys know right. the difference? Like semen can like has sperm in it, but semen's not just all sperm. Yes. So semen, like mm. someone who is infertile, didn't have a low sperm count, can still produce semen. That's what comes out of the penis during mm -hmm. intercourse, during ejaculation. Sperm are the microscopic buggers i like to call them they, like they look like little fish yeah they're little swimmers <laughs> gotcha that can go up and find the egg and then produce a embryo question then from yeah. that so when is when are the times for men that 
they are sperm that are men are the always best fertile. So then oh. men can get a if a man had sex with someone every single day of a woman like a different woman who was fertile, he could get someone pregnant 31 days out of the month. Oh my god. Wow. Like technically that probably wouldn't happen. But like if a woman he knew that she was fertile on the second and someone was fertile on the third, that he could produce that many offsprings. A wow. woman can only get pregnant once a month. Wow. So Thing. Oh, that's right. That that explains. The yes, killing. there's higher <laughs> the killing of the, the killing sperm. Of the sperm. I know, it's so oh, aggressive. Um, <laughs> the men have yeah. There's other times where men have higher sperm counts, lower sperm counts, maybe lifestyle things, but generally they always have sperm if they are someone with a normal sperm count. Men can have infertility mm-hmm. where they have low sperm counts, issues with their sperm. That's a whole thing. Mm. We're talking just the natural. You know, men who have just normal sperm counts is it's always there. Right. Wow. So with our cervical mucus, it actually mimics at a microscopic level what semen looks like. It's stretchy, it's mm. lubricative, and it creates that channel and that these channels, it forms these channels. That's what it looks like as a microscope. You just see these lines, oh. microscopic, where the sperm can swim through our mucus Whoa. to get through the cervix, oh my get gosh. through the uterus, and then into the fallopian tubes. Also, you guys can't see visually what we're doing, but I'm curious, how big do you guys think our uterus is? And I'm going to, we'll explain like inch, like what do you think like oh. length and width? Like how many inches oh. or feet? Uh, <laughs> feet. <laughs> 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 Maybe it's a okay, foot. Let me see. I'm visualizing this with my hands. For some reason, I think it's like, like a loaf of bread. By three or like, yeah. Like a piece of bread. Yeah. 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 It's the size of our fist. Oh, it's tiny. So small. So, and our ovaries wow. are like the size of like, I mean, an, like a golf ball. Why do why do well, I think that large. they're like the size of an orange? I know. Everyone <laughs> thinks like, I think because we've just seen these like explanations of them and you're like, they're massive. They're really not that big. So, I mean, yes, the sperm, but the sperm are microscopic. So they have to swim a long way for them. Uh, they're like, I just like, like ran like a, a long way. Yeah. Because yeah. they have to go through the cervix, through the uterus, up into the fallopian tubes. Then when the egg is released, that is when pregnancy wow. can occur. Wow. Okay, I have a fun fact mm-hmm. or a question. Sure. If sperm can last inside the body, where do they hang out? That is a good question. I was just thinking that. I mean, I guess I guess it can time just so, right? Because they're swing they're swimming and it takes forever. No. Would they just stay in the main? They go into the, the fallopian tubes oh. and they hang out. So there's oh, two ways you can get pregnant. Wow. You can have sex. Sperm is lasting three to five days. And in that three to five days, an egg comes from ov- from the ovary and ovulation occurs. The fallopian tube is not actually attached to the ovary. Did you guys know that? I did not know that. What? They're little tentacles and they swoop, suck the egg in. Into the fallopian tube. Yes. That's so cool. Oh my gosh. Okay. These are all things that I didn't learn in yes. class in, when <laughs> so, I was in middle school. <laughs> so then the sperm is there. Pregnancy occurs. Uh, con- conception occurs. Then they have to travel together. Or an egg can be in the fallopian tube already. Ovulation has happened. Someone has intercourse. The sperm find them. Ah. So that's the two ways you can get pregnant. Mm-hmm. Either the sperm's there before and the egg comes after. Or the oh, egg's there yeah. before and the sperm comes after. Oh, wow. Ah. And it happening at the exact same time would be shocking. <laughs> like, I guess it could happen <laughs> at the exact same time, but that would be like a lot of timing. Wow. wow. A miracle. Yeah, literally. So, That's so interesting. Yeah, very interesting. That is very interesting. Well, I, sometimes Annabelle, our medical assistant, and I like to joke 
that we were the sperm that swum the fastest. It's true. <laughs> it's true. Millions of sperm every si- month, cycle, that time, yeah. tried to get in there, and then they were the ones wow, who got so through. If you're listening to this podcast, <laughs> you were the sperm that swam the fastest. Good work. Good and job. you also controlled the gender. If you're a boy or a f- male or female, you oh. the sperm is either an X or a Y chromosome. Oh. The the egg is X, so it's X right. Y or X X. So you were the fastest girl as well. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, that was fun. Let's That's keep going. Cool. Men cannot get HPV. False. That's false. Good job. I th- I was worried okay. if he was right. <laughs> okay, but can men be tested for HPV? No, I don't think so. Yeah. Uh, no. <laughs> yes. Final answer. Mm-hmm. I think just women can. Like, as in, you test and you won't know yeah. the result. Like, okay, you know, we can test for HIV, syphilis, chlamydia, and gonorrhea. Can men test for HPV? One of the uh, one of the viruses within STD realm. Oh, okay, I feel like no. <laughs> <laughs> So both say, no, you can't test for it. Yeah. Why? I'm going further. Uh, Why can't we test for it? I forgot the reason. Does it have to do with symptoms? I think because, yeah, I think they're not. Well, I don't know. know. Maybe, Lauren, this can be an educational (laughs) (laughs) answer. HPV, women can get pap smears. Oh, Oh, there's no way to, like, actually check. women can get pap smears and we get pap smears and then we can also within our pap smear test for hpv mm. hpv a lot of times is the cause of cervical cancer and the cause mm. of abnormal pap so if we get an abnormal pap a lot of times our providers ask people to add on hpv or test for hpv next time they get their pap smear done mm. men are carriers of hpv that is how the sexual transmitted disease enters the woman's cervix and it's you know it's it's a it's a fine line of calling it an STD. Some people do. It's a virus, so it, I mm. guess it is. But it's not. It's a different type of STD than like a chlamydia, gonorrhea, mm-hmm. things right. like that. Because mm-hmm. those are active STDs that are symptomatic. HPV is mm. not, but it can cause cancer. Men are carriers. Men cannot be tested for it. Mm. But men are, they're finding, and this I learned this from Christy, our nurse practitioner. Dentists are finding that men are having similar a throat cancer, but oh. it looks like cervical cancer because wow. it's from oral sex. HPV is getting in their mouth and causing cancer in the back of their throat. Oh my god! Yeah. Oh my! So men can are being affected by it as well. I don't know. I would love to do some more research of why they have not found a test to test for HPV for men, right. but I think mm. it's because our cervix gets affected and their penis does not. Mm. So would they? So there's no way that they would can they know just they test the throat? Then they can test the throat. Yes, mm. they can test the throat. And from my from it's I think I got it on Everwell this this source. I'll give it to you after. Sure. Eighty percent of people will have. HPV at some point of their lives, which is crazy. And our body fights the virus in theory, and it can't. It sometimes we will 
they'll do another pap and the HPV and check for HPV and it'll be gone. So at point, some point in our life, it, and then we can do colposcopies and different things to kind of remove that type of the tissue that's being affected because they're HPV 16 and HPV 18. So there's different strains. HPV is like many viruses. It mutates. Mm-hmm. Those two are the most cancerous ones. And so mm-hmm. we can do, wow. we do different, we do an HPV test and then it can tell which type of HPV strain you have. Interesting. Okay. Wow. So yes, most people don't know they have HPV until after they're infected because they never develop any symptoms. Right. And some other STDs are like that, but most you're going to experience some symptoms. Mm-hmm. And you don't usually test for it until you're 21 when you're doing your pap, but now the recommendation isn't until 30 to test for HPV because they're saying, well, your body will probably work itself out and not need any intervention. So you start testing at 30. But Christy, our nurse practitioner, has told me, you know, there's a lot of lifestyle impacts that can be made if you do have HPV to help your body fight it. Like mm-hmm. if someone's smoking, smoking is a big, I mean, it's bad to do for your body, but especially right. for treat your body fighting HPV, it really oh, um, wow. affects that. Oh, so wow. like in theory, if someone maybe was sexually active at 21, they could eventually later on in their life mm-hmm. develop HPV. HPV. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's why if you're sexually active... Mm-hmm. It's good to then be tested you, for you, it. Every couple of years. Yeah, and there's also a vaccine for it to help your body fight it, but it's only for certain strains, but it's for the cancerous strains. Mm-hmm. So, so you, so me, if men get it, the vaccine, they it can help them not pass it in theory. Mm. Wow. Yeah. So, But not, but not 100%. Get your paps. Yeah, get your paps. <laughs> get yourself checked out. Okay, next one. You can get pregnant on your period. Yes. Yes. That is true. I don't, okay, I don't remember why. I think you got the Alejandra. You've done femme. Yes. Once. We'll do it again. (laughs) (laughs) You can still get pregnant while on your period because there's that window, right? That window of time. So like, let's say your heaviest day, you know, that's when the, the majority of the blood flow is coming out. But then like maybe two, three days later, you have sex it's kind of finishing up. That's my thought. Okay, so not most people do not get pregnant on their period. Most people ovulate around day 14 or 15 of their cycle. Day one is your first day of your period. Some people, like I have a friend who ovulates really quickly after Mm. they end their period. And a lot Mm. of times people who are perimenopausal, which means they're entering menopause or about to be in menopause, there's only a few eggs left, good quality eggs left to ovulate. And so FSH is this hormone. It's called follicular stimulating hormone, FSH. And it rises very quickly. And it's from our brain. And it tells our ovaries, start producing egg. We need to ovulate. And it does that when it gets a feedback that there's low egg counts. It's a mm. communication from our from our ovaries, from hormone levels to our brain, to our pituitary gland. And so if someone ovulates, let's say on day seven of their cycle, Mm. a week early and they had sex on day four on their period the sperm could last and you can get pregnant and when a big thing with what we know about bleeding and our cervix and what it does remember the fluid like i talked about earlier helps the sperm get there the fluid that is infertile acts as a plug when you're on your period your cervix is slightly open because blood is coming out right Right. things have to get out so when your cervix is open things can also go Mm. in and if at and you can also have fertile mucus mixed in with your blood and not really know it if Mm. someone's tracking so people sometimes who have we call it a short pre-ovulatory phase can get pregnant technically on their period maybe they were ovulating on their period or maybe they ovulated just 
quickly after and they had sex on their period sperm lasted like i said either sperm lasts before and then the egg comes or the egg is there and mm-hmm. the sperm comes mm-hmm. yeah the egg if the egg is not fertilized it dies within 12 to 24 hours so there's a short window in which the sperm and egg have to find each other mm-hmm. so that is why people can and have got pregnant on their period. And I think it was a myth because it was like, well, you're bleeding. Well, how could you get pregnant? And they don't understand. My cycle, I probably would not get pregnant on my period. That would be a very low chance for me because I always ovulate like day 15, day 16. And I know mm-hmm. that because I've tracked for like 27 cycles. <laughs> but let's say one of my cycles, I ovulate early. I guess there could be a chance I could get pregnant early. Whoa. But if someone doesn't know their cycle, then there is a chance that that can Interesting. happen. Interesting. Yeah. So the sperm can still like survive in there even if there's like you're on your period. Even if, if there's food. fertile mucus and estrogen. Yeah, you can. Mm. So, wow. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. Okay. I have a few more. Let me just two. Sure. You cannot get an STD from oral sex. False. That's false. Good job, guys. <laughs> Why is that? Well, we kind of talked about it in in that last about HPV. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. So how the man can't figure out that he has HPV, but the woman can through a pap, but that there's possibilities of testing through the throat. Yeah. So yeah. you can actually do chlamydia and gonorrhea tests of the throat. People sometimes do it. You can pass herpes from mouth mm. to re- genital region. You, if you have an STD and oral sex happens, then things can be passed. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah. You can get, I guess that, yeah, I kind of gave you guys a hint because I said H, I did the HP question <laughs> first, <laughs> but yes. Helped us out a bit. Okay. Douching. Do you guys know what douching is? Mm-hmm. Okay. Douching you know is necessary. You don't know no, what douching is? I okay. don't. Well, I'll, I'll say the question and then, or the statement, and then we'll talk about it. Okay. Douching is necessary to keep the va- vagina clean. No. <laughs> douching is a type, or okay, let's let's elaborate more. Using vaginal soaps, like oh. those Summer's Eve or whatever, mm. are necessary to keep the vagina clean. No. no. Good. Ding, ding, ding. Oh, okay. <laughs> douching is a, there's these things that pretty much push like scented soapy water up into your vagina and then comes out yeah not good one it messes up your ph so bad your ph is there to balance things and your vagina discharge is your vagina self-cleaning itself right right self-cleaning a healthy vagina has good bacteria is not all bad We, we hear bacteria like oh that bacteria in that chicken i ate i gave me salmonella <laughs> that is bad yeah. bacteria but there's good and bad bacteria that lives in your vagina and the balance of bacteria creates that acidic or basic environment that helps your body pre- get protected from infection right do the cervical mucus things all the things and you can really cause things to be mm. off so mm. the best way to clean your vagina is just rinse it with in shower with warm water and mild unscented yeah. soap you don't need to get summer's eve you don't need to get all these things your vagina is a doing mucus work. yeah it's a mucus membrane it is not supposed to be like flowery smelling. Right. yeah right. well i know some people will douche after sex yes. to like get rid of the sperm can does douching after sex prevent pregnancy is that a good probably use? not nope yeah. yeah. Sperm get into the cervix. I mean, we know how sex happens. The penis is near the cervix. The sperm, semen, goes in there. And if even if you get the semen out, the microscopic sperms can still enter the cervix and be all up mm. on their way. 
So no. <laughs> They've already left. Showering after sex. Too late. It is too late. <laughs> but you have said, right? I mean, and this doesn't prevent pregnancy, but to pee after having sex. Why do we pee after having sex? To just get the bacteria Bacteria. Out. <laughs> so oh. that's to prevent like UTIs and infection because peeing after sex push your the urethra pushes out anything that got in or near your urethra because oh. it's all in the same region okay. so you want to pee after sex that is very important and you want to clean up after sex we want things to be clean sharing after sex is good just clean, just clean things up but not to prevent pregnancy that does not prevent pregnancy yeah but yes for hygienic sex, purposes yes for hygienic purposes and just to prevent infection because again bacteria good and bad lives in our bodies and after having sex, if that bacteria gets in your urinary tract area, that can cause an infection. Okay. So peeing after sex is a good rule of thumb. Okay. But yeah, letting things happen as, as they, they should, should James, okay. <laughs> is very important. That's good. good yeah, time. I feel like, well, it seems like more people are becoming more aware of like discharge is like normal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I feel like when I was younger or something, or sometimes even still on social media, there's this idea pushed that you should not see any like discharge yeah. in your underwear or no. like and everyone has different levels of discharge like i talk to my friends and my people about a lot of cervical mucus we also mm-hmm. need to know what's the difference between cervical mucus and discharge do we know what that is oh. you taught me in my first time okay cervical yeah. mucus where's our cervix do we remember where our cervix is so how does it go? How does it go in like sequence of order if you come from outside of our body internally? Vagina. What? Oh, okay. Vagina, <laughs> cervix, uterus. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. The cervix gets produces a mucus that from either estrogen or progesterone, estrogen and progesterone pro- affect the, the cervix to produce a mucus, fertile mucus or infertile mucus. And that's high up in our cervix, right? Mm-hmm. discharge is just our vaginal area vaginal walls and it can be some produced by our cervix but that is like the body self-cleaning discharge happening cervical mucus and discharge can be together but cervical mucus comes from your cervix up higher it is pretty high up it's like six inches in maybe seven six mm-hmm. probably and it you have to to get your cervical mucus out sometimes you have to kind of push to make a pushing mechanism bearing down we call it and that can actually push any mucus up from the cervix out through your vagina Mm. so you know if you're fertile or not when we're tracking for fertility purposes and we should see that mucus you should see a change in your mucus which can be controlled in your discharge but a big thing is we want to not with discharge if it's in your underwear and you're going to the restroom and you see this we cannot indicate if that's fertile or infertile mucus it has Mm. to be actively you're wiping you're checking it and you see it Mm. because when it dries we don't know if it was discharge right. or cervical mucus. That makes right. sense. So yes, discharge is normal and everyone has different levels. Like like some people have more discharge, some people have less. And I think knowing to you know, being working with someone who understands can explain things to you is really helpful. Like when people come to me and they're like, I cannot figure out what's what, I can be like, okay, well, literally people take pictures of their cervical mucus and show me not weird to me like yep that looks like cervical mucus mm-hmm. or that no that's probably your discharge things like that is really normal and it's helpful to talk to someone because yeah. if yeah. you think your discharge is off if things are itchy smelly like more than you usually have that can be indication of a yeast infection that can be indication of bv bacterial vaginosis and those things you should get checked out with a provider for mm-hmm. but 
asking questions and knowing what's your normal and what's your not is very important. Personally, I know my cervical mucus real well <laughs> because I love this stuff. It's my job and I have tracked my own body for a while, for like two years. And when I have had, I've had a yeast infection in the past or something happened and I know immediately because I'm like, well, this is not normal because right, I know my yeah. normal. Right. And when mm. you can track and learn things, I'm just pitching a whole thing for fam and wife. And it's so <laughs> amazing. But when you can know things, it really does empower you. Again, you're letting, you're yeah. not getting controlled by your body and you know, and you can advocate for yourself. Like when I would tell my doctor, I'm like, yeah, I know what's going on because I track. They're like, okay, yeah, you, you can explain what you see normally and what you don't. Mm-hmm. When you can just be like, I think it's different. That can be obviously doctors will help and they'll do tests Mm -hmm. and they'll check things. Right. But if you can advocate for yourself and have all this data, knowing Mm. I know how my mucus was literally every single day for the last two years, like Mm -hmm. crazy, but that's true for me. Yeah. You can do a lot and advocate for yourself. We love that. We love so, that. Lesson of the podcast: schedule a fitment appointment <laughs> with Lauren. That's Today. on my to do list. You good answers. Yes, and explain. Yeah, I just explain things. I'm just an educator, a teacher on how I'm called a fem teacher. Is what they call me. I'm not a doctor, but I do have a lot of education. I have a certification from fem. Fem stands for fertility education, medical management, and the medical management, the MM in fem is the doctors that I can refer to to be like, I don't know what's going on. There's right. We're indicating that there's something wrong and you're going to go and dive deeper mm-hmm. into it. So I'm not diagnosing you. I'm 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 just taking what you, and it's really you, everyone, all my fan patients, they're doing the work. I'm just giving them the tools to, to know. Right. And then yeah. they are able to do all this work and do all the data and then bring it back to me. And I think, yep, this looks great. I don't think any concerns or maybe just consult with a doctor. This looks a little concerning, but it could mm-hmm. be nothing. That's the right. thing. I always preface of like this is when you look at the literature this is it could allude to this it could lead to this or it could be nothing and it's totally normal having a normal cycle or healthy hormones impacts our health more than just our fertility the want to have children is very important that's a really big need of people tracking their fertility i recommend to track it before even thinking about children because it is so important for your health Mm -hmm. to know what's going on you not ovulating is an issue because it's telling us that something in your hormones is wrong and we can adjust things with medication with food with lifestyle doctors can do that and then we can get you to a healthy state Mm -hmm. if you are not ovulating and, and that's why i always kind of get annoyed when doctors will not do any hormone testing before like a year of trying to conceive people Mm. uh, couples before they do any tests because at the end of the day those hormones estrogen and progesterone are very important for our body's health and we should know we're ovulating just to know we're ovulating and know we're healthy just for the fertility parts for like the whole and that's why i love femme because i if i went to femme tomorrow and i was saying i've had three months of the the medical management side of it i said i have three months of i didn't ovulate i'm having issues i don't want children for a little bit but i just want to figure this out they'd say okay great we're gonna just do the test and do some ultrasounds and get you figured out of what's going on i have oh i have a a question how many Mm. people who are trying to get pregnant every month what percentage actually get pregnant this is just a statistic i found i don't have any facts to back this up like somebody who's like okay we're tracking ovulation we're doing this how many people percentage wise out of one percent to 100 percent, how many people get pregnant a month that's hard i feel 30 (laughs) percent let's yeah let's say 45 percent 25%. Oh, Mm. so sometimes people try to conceive and go six months without getting pregnant and they think, well, what's wrong? And they do tests and everything's right. And then they get pregnant within a year because Um, like we talked about, things have to line up. Right. Right. 
egg has to be there. Sperm has to be there. Eggs only there for 12, 24 hours. If sperm are not there, yeah, they didn't you last. You can't just have sex at some random point in the month. Yes. And we, and we know that people have unexpected pregnancies and unplanned pregnancies. We know that people can get pregnant when they don't know. But at the end of the day, a lot has to go wrong. Oh, right. For you to get pregnant. And whenever mm. I talk to people who had unexpected pregnancies, like my grandmother who got pregnant at 16, I think dang, a lot had to go right for y'all to just get pregnant and not know. My, my grandma didn't know for six months that she was pregnant. And I'm just Whoa. thinking, oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm just, uh, I feel like I'm re, I feel like I am <laughs> like, I don't know. It's a full circle moment to be so in tune with my fertility <laughs> when my grandma was pregnant with my mother and didn't know. <laughs> like, it's just really full circle. Yes. Um, but whenever people get pregnant unexpected, I think, wow, a lot of things had to line up. 25% chance is not is low, low if you're thinking mm-hmm. about like trying or like when people are trying, they will get discouraged mm-hmm. that they can't get pregnant the first time they have sex because they were told their whole life, like, you know, the mean girls quote, you'll get pregnant and die. Like that's like in that movie. <laughs> like, And it's like, or it does take a lot more to know. And yeah. and then that's like getting up birth control a little early and getting your hormones in balance and just knowing and, ha- and, and having that perspective that the first time you try, you might not get pregnant and not getting super worked up on it. I think it's, mm-hmm. it's huge. Well, thanks We've so much, We learned so guys. many things. Yeah, I feel Love so much podcasting more with you ladies. Oh, I know. Well, it's always so host, fun. Lauren. Oh, thank you guys. <laughs> yes, you are. Thank you guys so much for joining us. I hope you enjoyed our conversation. Please, you know, send any questions to us, our email. It's on our website. You can call us and talk to me if you have any questions about FEM. You can do a 30-minute consultation with me free of charge, and I can tell you all about FEM and see if it's the right plan for you. Thank you so much for joining us. We will see you at our next episode. Take care and be well. For more information about 3W, please visit our website at 3wmedical.org. That's the number three, the letter W, medical.org. From there, you can learn more about the services we provide, book an appointment, or make a donation if you'd like to support our mission. You can also call our office at 206-588-0311. That's 206-588-0311. If you liked this episode, please share it with others and consider subscribing on your favorite podcast platform so you never miss an episode. Thank you so much for listening and until next time, stay healthy and be well.